Hey, this is Greg Graffin from Bad Religion, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 214. My name is Brando, the first episode of September 2020. This godforsaken year. Uh, I've been away for a bit. That makes it sound like I was committed to an asylum. Maybe. But if you follow on Facebook and Twitter, because the conversation always continues in between episodes on social media, I was on vacation. I went away to uh, Vermont with my girlfriend and got away from people. A lot less people in uh, in Vermont than New York. It's uh, It's one of the safer states to be. In uh, in America right now, not much, not much COVID. I was very disappointed because we went to a lot of antique stores, and of course, I always went towards either the the music section or the sports stuff. Every time they had uh, cassettes or you know vinyl, there was no G and R. There was one really cool, you know, like, like a record store that had User Illusion One and Two and an Appetite. I, I think I put those on Instagram. Uh, but I really wanted to buy a Guns N' Roses cassette. I don't. Th- I I never owned one. I'm gonna be 37 in a week, and I guess I'm the age of yeah. I had cassettes, but my cassettes, my age when I bought them was Ace of Base, Boys to Men, Heavy D, and the Boys. I wasn't like into. <laughs> oh, I I was young. I still like those bands. Whatever. Um. So whatever, but I'm, I'm, I was thinking about maybe I should do a podcast on the road, but you know what? The D. Snyder interview got so much traction. I mean, the amount of, 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 of sites, the Ultimate Classic Rock and Blabbermouth and Loudwire, uh, my, my home base of Q1043, uh, their website all picked it up. Different stories about him talking about Kiss, you know, him not liking, uh, you know, the replacement makeup. I know it's in... Old argument, but D's voice carries a, a, a lot of weight or a lot of headlines, I should say. Um, so that just got so much traction. I'm like, you know, let me leave this up here. Let the, let it breathe. Let me just get a true vacation. I was still on social media. Um, but let me wait to do another podcast episode. So uh, coming up first, I did this interview right before I went away. And I've been excited to share it with you. Sorry it, t- it took so long, but... As I said, I wanted the, the D to marinate. Wow, that sounds really bad out of context. Uh, so, <laughs> so coming up, uh, momentarily, I'm going to interview the lead singer of Bad Religion, Greg Graffin. Uh, there's a new book out, Do What You Want, The Story of Bad Religion. And we're going to talk to him about that. And of course, his six degrees of GNR Bacon, and then stick around after that interview because we'll be doing a segment, Appetite for Discovery, which you may know we could discover new music. And even though this guy's been around, you may not know everything about him. 
Rob Carlisle from the Compulsions. And on his new album featured a featuring Bumblefoot and, and Frank. So there are, there's a lot of Guns N' Roses stuff to talk to him about, including his cover of Dust and Bones. Now you're interested. All right, so we're going to talk to Rob. Uh, but first, here's me with Dr. Greg Graffin. Well, first, I just got to say congratulations on, on this book. Um, I, what's more surprising for you to put a book out or that bad religion has lasted for 40 years? Uh, I think they go hand in hand. They're both, uh, un- they're both shocking to me. <laughs> the fact and- that you'd want that someone would want to read about um, those 40 years is very rewarding. And that that's kind of like the icing on the cake. I'm somebody who wants to to read it because I'm going to be 37 next month. So obviously <laughs> bad religion has been around since I have been aware of of music. When I first discovered punk rock, bad religion was the, the first class that I really needed to, to learn. So what is, what are we going to learn from your book? Is it kind of, is it a, a, obviously it's going to be a story about the band, but is there anything specifically you want to kind of fans to take away from, uh, from the book, from the, from the story of bad religion? Uh, not really. I think people who are interested, uh, you know, there's not a particular highlight that needs to be <laughs> that needs to be talked about. I think uh, people who are interested in the genre of punk music uh, and they, you know, people have been there have been a lot of books put out about the genre. It's a really interesting uh persistence i'd say you know i don't really know what the element what's the key ingredient to a persistence like you know something that sticks around for so long but but one thing is true um it's been described that bad religion is kind of the connective tissue that keeps it all together and that's partly because of our long tenure we've been around for a while but also we fall into that really interesting area between the kind of the death and the uh, extinction of the first wave of punk, which came out of England and the bridge. We're sort of the connective tissue and a bridge to the second wave that got big in the nineties, starting with Nirvana. And uh, of course we, we persisted through the entire span of it. We started in 1980 and right. so people who are interested, people who know a little bit about punk history will find it really fascinating because most stories just talk of sort of a dead period. But I think uh, bad religion um, can be shown to uh, have been active during those times and not only active, but we we put out some influential albums during that period that everybody tends to cite as important and influential. What do you think the the difference is? Because obviously the music speaks for itself. It's if you put out it's great music, so obviously it's going to survive. But is there? Do you think there's one factor why bad religion has survived, especially during these times where we've gotten so oversensitive? I'm sure you know the beginning being bad religion and having the logo of the cross through. Uh, the like the non-smoking sign through the uh the catholic cross so but especially today where everyone's so sensitive it seems like 
you had everything against you not to survive, but you have. So is there like one thing you think why bad religion is still active and thriving? Uh, it's hard to say, man. It's really, you know, I think, um, uh, I think the music historians need to dig into it a little bit and the music critics need to pay attention a little bit because, um, as a singer songwriter, uh, you know, whatever connection with the audience, I, I tend to be very biased. I try to get out of that bias so obviously my easy answer is because it's kick-ass music, of course, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's not the answer. The answer has to have something to do with, uh, th there's optimism in there, you know, even though we spent our lives questioning things, uh, questioning the currently held view, uh, there's optimism. The people recognize that they, they realize we're, we're asking tough questions because we want a better world. And, uh, I think there's an element of that in all bad religion music, even though, as you point out, there's a lot of sort of harsh criticism. Is there, do you find a bigger challenge today or when you first started? Cause you, you might think that I might think that, Today, since you're an established name, you know, it, it's not as difficult, especially you know, versus when you're starting. But again, all the obstacle, obstacles today were with cancel culture and, you know, someone, again, somebody can just see your just the name and the logo and freak out. You know, do you find that it's still cha challenging today to be bad religion or is it, you know, it's it, it's not? Well, I mean, <laughs> Who wants to draw attention to cancel culture? I mean, it's it's like <laughs> I can't question that. I just I think that they've got, you know, whatever that culture is, uh, they they it is the way of the world and um, bad religion commenting on the way of the world is actually a benefit to to culture. So uh, regardless of your attitudes towards the currently held, um, you know, traditions and the, the norms of society, there'll always be a place for criticism. And um, so maybe, you know, bad religion appeals to that uh, critical vein in society. Is there one, I mean, I don't want you to give any spoilers for the book, but is there something that fans are going to be surprised by? Is there like a teaser you can give us something that we may not, no, maybe you're excited for fans to, to find out that's coming out in the book. Uh, no, there's no uh, surprise okay. moments. <laughs> okay, fair this enough. is a true chronology. It's like, if you like reading history, it's kind of like asking you, you know, Hey, you just picked up that history of world war two. Are there any surprises in there? <laughs> you're like, no, man, okay. I, this is a chronicle. You know, you know how world war two ends. Fair enough. <laughs> but, but anyway, I mean, maybe the surprise that people will find amazing is that bad religion is more popular today than they were uh, at their heyday or in I the heyday of, of the explosion of punk, so-called explosion in the 1990s. But in other words, we were not known at all in the early days, but we made our own records. Then we signed to Atlantic and Sony Music in the 90s. And 
we were, you know, continued to get a little bit more popular each year, but never as popular as we are today. <laughs> so most bands when they're in their 40, you know, 40th or in their fourth decade, they're done making music and they're, they're touring maybe on albums that are now 20 and 30 years old, but they haven't made music for decades. Bad Religion makes a record every few years still to this day. And uh, that might be surprising to people who aren't familiar with the band. And those, uh, you know, we make music that we consider not, uh, it's not music that's sort of throwback music. It's, uh, it sounds modern. It sounds, uh, um, you know, current and, and um, there's an urgency to it. The songs are good and they're played on the radio. So it's kind of, uh, I think that will surprise people who aren't familiar with the band. Right on. And something that we do on this podcast, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with like a six degrees of separation or a six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Sometimes it's called. So we do six degrees of GNR bacon, Guns N' Roses bacon. <laughs> so, yeah, I got you. so I, I know it's, it's, uh, it's sadly brilliant. Uh, so the, I asked my listeners, I'm like, what is the connection between bad religion and Guns N' Roses? And maybe you can tell me another one. Uh, so Brian Baker, who of course is in uh, uh, bad religion, you know, in your band, bad religion, uh, the guitarist, he was in junkyard. And Guns N' Roses started out playing shows with Junkyard. So that's the connection. So I'm just curious if there, if you have another one, if you've come across with, you know, Slash or any of the guys, perhaps you've seen them in concert. I guess, is there a six degrees of GNR bacon that we don't know with, uh, with you and Bad Religion to GNR? Yeah, I have a pretty good story. I mean, first of all, we're friends with, you know, we're friends with Frank Ferrer, the drummer right now. Sure. And he's, you know, he's a good friend of ours, but he's been on the show. That's one, one connection, one degree. I mean, <laughs> but all, and also, you know, Duff used to be a punker. So, you know, we're friends with Duff too. Um, but this is kind of an interesting uh, connection. I was in college. Bad religion was, uh, you know, around the time 1984, um, you know, we were playing clubs in Hollywood and just getting ready to make an EP, but I was in college at UCLA and I made, uh, I, I got made, made a living. I wouldn't say made a living. I, I had a job on campus <laughs> and, sure. and, uh, that job was to, uh, I was a sound man. I was like, I did uh, the sound for the concerts that they had at the student union. And so one day, uh, I, I was really excited cause I got my friend's band, the Dickies. Oh yeah. Uh, LA punk band to play. Killer clowns from out of space, right? Yeah. And yeah. so they were playing and they had this opening band that was brand new on the scene and it was guns and roses. So I actually mixed guns and roses at UCLA for one of their early shows. And I talked to Duff about it recently and he remembers that show. Uh, wow. Definitely. That was an important show for guns and roses. <laughs> That's awesome. See, I'm, I'm, that's why I ask. You never know these these kind of crazy stories. So uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, yeah, for, for Greg. Uh, I'm, and I'm also assuming that you're never going to stop making music, and uh, so just keep keep at it. I, I can't wait until the the book comes out. Just congratulations. You know, it's been an honor speaking with you, and uh, just I'm glad I was the first one today. So you're not exactly too tired yet uh, during the interview. 
Yeah, thanks a lot. I don't know how I'll be on number 15 later today. <laughs> then, we have a, then we have an event uh, online at uh, Book Soup in Los Angeles, but it's all virtual. So, Well, you know, I, I hope obviously to see you out, out and about. Uh, obviously, the world is unpredictable at, at the moment, but the sooner I get to see Bad Religion in person or virtual, virtual, uh, that's, that's still good. Um, you know, just continue success and keep being awesome. Much appreciated, and I hope to see you too. See you later. Thanks so much, Greg. Okay, it is time for... I just want to bury appetite. Rather than just throwing a bunch of songs together that we think are fun, we're going over it, you know, with a fine-tooth comb and just working on everything to try it. That's the goal. Bury appetite. For... Discovery! Appetite for Discovery. A segment I, I quite enjoy, because... There, there's so much new music that I just don't know how to find anymore. Now, being in working in radio, yeah, I've worked for stations that have that play new music. Yeah, those stations do exist. Um, a lot of times, you would hear new music uh, played Sunday nights. That's a big thing in radio, like Sunday night uh, new music. But now, you know, I went on. Um, as I mentioned, I went on this trip to Vermont last week. I never go away. You know, and it's hard to sometimes find a, a local radio station. I go scanning the station. So I, I, I play my, my regular uh, playlist. And I'm like, I want to add to my, my playlist. I want to add to my Guns N' Roses, my Velvet Revolver, uh, my Hall & Oates. I got to add to that. And I'm looking through new music on Spotify, and I don't recognize any of these names. I don't know. I just don't know a lot of, maybe I'm old. I'm going to be 37 in, in a week. Maybe I'm over the hill. I don't know. So I appreciate especially when they're part of our, uh, for lack of a better phrase, Guns N' Roses family, when people tell me about new music, especially when they're, <laughs> the person is making the new music themselves and, they, and I can see the passion uh, that they put out. It's because like, I, I identify passion. I have a lot for what I do. And <laughs> sometimes it's as simple as how you write an email. It really is. And, uh, and Rob, Rob Carlisle, who's on with us, and from the band, the Compulsions, New York City band, uh, a local, a local band. See, you know, Rob, I, I can't even, I can't hate myself more for not being aware. Maybe you do. There's a New York City restaurant called the Spaghetti Incident. Uh, in the Lower East Side, is it? Oh yeah, yeah. So you you know about it? I've I've seen it. I haven't been there. <laughs> oh, it's nice. It's um, I went there only a few months ago, and it was a listener that told me about it. So I'm like, I'm in the area. I don't even know there's a Guns N' Roses you know, named a restaurant. So I, I want to say shame on me because you've been around for a bit, but you're still up and coming and making new music. I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed. Should I be embarrassed that I, I wasn't aware of the compulsions? I want to know more about, first of all, let me just say welcome to the show, Rob Carl. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. So, you know, tell me, I guess, give me a little bit of your history because I'm, I'm looking, when you first reach out to me in your very well-written email, then I go to your website, of course, do research. And I'm like, wow, this guy has worked with some really cool people. Bumblefoot and Richard Fortas and Frank Farrar. I'm like, how do I, why am I first learning? Should I be embarrassed that I don't know who Rob Carlisle is yet? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's, uh, I have no idea how to answer that. Um, but yeah, no, I started the band in, um, in the early 2000s. Um, 
the guys you mentioned, yeah, they were they were they were on some early recordings, and then we kind of lo- I lost, you know, they kind of got busy with GNR. They they joined GNR, and then um, I played with a bunch of other local guys. Uh, in and out, and I even had like Hubert Sumlin as a special guest on a track. Now he's um, Helen Wolf's guitar player, and Muddy Waters is a guitar player. So, wow, I, I had, I, you know, I've had, um, you know, uh, you know, cool people sit in in on recordings and stuff like that. And then I ended up touching, getting back in touch with those guys, uh, and that, and 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 tried to make that be a a, a real lineup, a real thing, and um. And then we even got Sammy Yaffa, who was in Hanoi Rocks and the New York Dolls on bass. And uh, and so there was a lot of buzz, you know, you know, a lot of people coming to the shows, a lot of press being written. The word supergroup was thrown around. (laughs) Um, And uh, and, you know, it just I just couldn't hold that lineup together. You know, I, I don't it's more of a question for them on, on what it was. I mean, yeah, they, they were in guns and roses, of course. Um, but it was, it was, it was kind of a grind to keep it going. Uh, and of course, you know, I was free to find other people, but, um, it was like, it was like, uh, I guess catch 22 is the phrase. It was like, I was, the band was getting a whole bunch more of attention, um, because of their involvement, but then I couldn't really do anything with that lineup, um, except for the odd show, like once or maybe twice a year. Mm. And we recorded a bunch, um, two albums, uh, that they're pretty much on almost every song. We did an album called beat the devil. And then we did an album called dirty fun. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, in, in the end, you know, uh, it just became holding it together was just too much trouble um personalities were just not getting along if i can be honest um and a lot of tension and so i just figured you know what um it's not really worth it at this point uh i felt like i got as much as i was going to get out of that and uh and so one by one i parted ways with each of the guys under slightly different circumstances um for each uh and then um but I also, during all this time, I'm always writing and recording, so I have a ton of tracks in progress. Um, and uh, and eventually, I I did reach out to Bumblefoot because I knew, I, you know, I live in New York and he lives in Jersey, so I figured, um, let me try and draft him to um, to record some songs. And we did uh, in 2016, I think it was. Um, we put out three singles, like every three or four months, I put out a single and they were all covers. Uh, we did, we did revolution by the Beatles. We did shock me by kiss and we did fascination street by the cure. And we did extremely, you know, uh, um, drastically re- you know, revised versions of the originals, uh, especially in the case of shock me and, um, and Fascination Street, they were very, very different. Uh, and then, you know, Ron, Ron, as I'm sure you probably had him on the show, is super easy to get along with Guy. And, um, and so I kept it going with him. And, and, uh, and Frank was also, I, I was still working with Frank at that time as well. So he's on this new album that's coming out. Um, they're both on, they're both all over the album. Uh, as, and, and, and other players too, which we can get to, but... Sure. 
that this is my attempt to get you up to speed with my involvement in the, with the GNR fellows. You're doing uh, a great job. <laughs> yeah. it's, a long, it's a long winding story and I've kind of told it a few times. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not the easiest story to tell, but yeah. I, I, I understand, you know, okay. uh, somebody who's had to repeat stories and in my apologies to the listeners who have heard me repeat. I mean, I try not to do it, but I'm always getting new listeners. And yeah, yeah. yeah, which is why I appreciate someone like you who's been around that you're going to bring new listeners to me just from you being on. And, you know, before I lose it, (laughs) Bumblefoot was technically my first radio interview ever. And this was before um, Chinese democracy came out. Wow. So I, this is a story that I've, I've said, so I'm going to catch you uh, up on it since he's on the new record ferocious. Uh, I went to go see Guns N' Roses in Ottawa. I, I was seeing a girl there at the time, and I, being the nerd that I am, I just recognized Bumblefoot. Everyone there just, oh, like, oh, it's Guns N' Roses. They, you know, Slash still in the band. And, and Bumble happened to come talk. He was just talking to the security guard, like, in between sets. And he was in, wearing his Russian winter coat and hat. And I recognized him, so I started talking to him. And uh, he's, I told him I was working at, a, at the time at a radio station in Cape Cod. And I, I, I had mentioned, you know, could we do an interview? He's like, oh, we're going on tour, but hit me back. So through MySpace, I coordinated this, and he was technically my first radio interview ever. However, speaking again, long story short, too late, uh, he's politely declined a few times to come oh, on the podcast because, yeah, appetite for distortion. It's a Guns yeah. N' Roses themed podcast i guess but i mean it's we do the six degrees of you know uh, here's the here's a good example for people that you you know that you, you worked with and this is how i, I put you in, in, in the same category in just from listening to your music the same category as talent and just uh, appeal as and it makes sense why you worked with richard fortis you look like a younger version of richard fortis a little bit i'm sure he's gonna appreciate hearing that <laughs> it's like a little Richard Fortis, little Adrian Brody, you know. Okay. I mean, yeah, even though this is a uh, we're releasing this as audio, uh, obviously I'm looking at. Uh, I well, like they're both, very, they're both very handsome gentlemen, so I'm. I'll take <laughs> uh, but a Richard Fortis and a Frank are so talented that it's a shame. And Bumblefoot, it's a shame that it's taken the GNR level for them to be maybe recognized on a, yeah. on a, a more. Uh, global scale because obviously Bumblefoot is just phenomenal and so when I, I've had uh, both Frank and Richard on Richard I spoke uh, mainly about his and why am I forgetting the the, oh, the band he had a, another band with something bass oh my god freak bass he had a band with freak bass the Hedronics okay now I'm like remembering them. you was an audio version of my brain working that's just what happened uh, he was in uh, that band. So I primarily talked to him about his, that new band and I, a couple GNR questions at the end. Same thing with Frank and his new band, uh, Pisser, also out of New York. I don't know if you've you know, played shows. Uh, I know, no one's playing shows now. It's a stupid question. Um, so I, but I saved like, the GNR questions for the end. And I even told Bumble, I'm like, I'll talk Sons of Apollo with you. I'll talk about being a Brooklyn Jew with you. I, I, I don't know. I, he seems to have some sort of, um, I don't want to get too, uh, you know, therapeutic on him, but there's still something there that's bothering him about GNR and 
Um, I don't know. I, that- I, can't, I can't speak for the man, obviously. Uh, anything I would say would be pure speculation. That's all I've gotten. You know, that's yeah. what I, I, I've gotten that he, maybe he was mistreated by management. I have no idea. Uh, or that he thought Chinese democracy was going to be his meal ticket. And it wasn't, I don't know. Those are things that were told by me. Those are not my, my, my words. Those are things that have been said on the show. And I'm like, I have no idea. Until he says something, I have no idea. It's just, um, uh, I just no, wish I he would just. I can't, I can't speak from, if I was to take a guess, I would say that it's probably, I mean, this is just a guess. I just think that he just wants to be known for doing his other things and doesn't that, want right. so much, doesn't want to lean so much on that aspect of his career. Do you know what I mean? Of, of course. And I, uh, I respect that. It's like being, you know, and when you're stereotyped into one role as an actor, do you, uh, yeah, you're proud of that work, but is that all you want to be known for? It's good for some people. They just want to stay on that one path and they're milking the, uh, the tit of the band and their one hit in 1987. And that's, they're happy with that. But Bumble is way too talented and I get that. So, I mean, I've offered again to not talk about GNR, but I guess since it's on a uh, GNR centric, it's, I don't know. It's a weird gray area. My life is a gray area. I, you know, he's, he was wonderful the two times I met him. I'm just, I don't know. Come on, <laughs> come on, Bumble! If you hear this, I think, Please. I think, I think, yeah. I, 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 I listen. I, I, we've never talked about it, but I would imagine that it's probably more along. You know, it's, it's nothing personal. <laughs> that's what I've been. That's what I've been told, and yeah. I try not to take it personal. All you got to do, do is change the name of the show. <laughs> you know how many times, even though it's it's worked for me and it's become a brand. No, it's a I've, cool name. Thank I was on you. this other. I was on this other podcast called um, "Nothing," not the "Nothing Shocking" podcast. Okay. So you know, taking an old classic album and putting your own spin on it. You know, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Sure, and I don't want this. You know, everyone and their their mother has a podcast, especially during the uh, the quarantine. How do you separate yourself? And I've that's just a weird thing with Guns N' Roses. You know, I've been told that by other people who were not even in the band. Uh, that they they would do they would do an interview with me gladly if it was on another platform. Like, I'm like, come on, like, I, 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 you see how I am now. I, mean, I know we're just getting to know each other, but I'm friendly. I don't ask you, know, you know, know, about your first time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I think this is a sensitivity to what what I'm what, what I just explained. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. And I, that's what I believe. Um, and you're telling if someone who knows him, that, that's personally what I believe. But uh, hopefully one of these days, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll change his mind and I won't ask a single GNR question. That, that, that'll, that'll be the best, best part of it all. And my listeners will love that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, more about you and your album. So tell me, how long have you, you been working on Ferocious? Yeah, I started writing these songs uh, probably five years ago, like right after, you know, like I, like I kind of said, we put out an album in 2015 and pretty much it was over. <laughs> as soon as the album came out, you know, it's just, it, 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 we, 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 we just couldn't get along. Um, and so I just had to figure out what, what was I going to do next. Um, and uh, I thought, let me just you know, write some songs. And I've just been writing songs. Uh, and there's these 10 and that are on this new album. And then I have another, at least another album or two in the works mm. um, of other material that, that, that I started around that time. Um, what was the question? <laughs> 
how long have you been working uh, on Ferocious? And I guess when, also when is it coming out? Uh, it's yeah, it's been five years. Um, it's been done about a year though, in all fairness. So it took about four years to do it. You know, uh, working on it and you know piecemeal. You know, here and there when you have the budget and when you have the time. Um, and so there'd be, you know, huge gaps in between working on it, where you're just sitting at home listening to it going, hmm, we should add a harmonica to it or, you know, to that song or whatever, whatever the, uh, the, the thought was. Um, so it's coming out on uh, Friday the 13th in November. Uh, but I like the date. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at the calendar and I was like, you know, I wanted to give myself a long time to do some press and to do some interviews and stuff like that before it comes out. So I was like, oh, Friday the 13th, that sounds like a, um, that sounds like a good date. Um, and, uh, and, um, but right now, you can pre-order it on iTunes, and anyone who pre-orders it, you immediately get um, our cover of Dead Flowers, and once again, going back to Guns N' Roses, our cover of Dust and Bones. So if you pre-order it, you, know, you get two songs now, and then on November 13th, somehow magically iTunes ships the songs right to your hard drive. That's cool. Yeah. And, and Dustin Bones, I mean, that's, that's a classic. What, what made you want to cover that particular song? Cause you got a little bit of an Izzy look as well. A, 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 a couple of things. Um, first of all, I, I, ha, I, I love that song. It's a great, so it's, it's, it's sure. one of my favorites by them. It might be actually my favorite by them. Um, and uh, I just had a, a, a way of hearing it in my head that, that, that you could do it another way. Nothing wrong with the way they did it. It's, it's fucking awesome. But I was like, I think you could do it a different way. And so that was rolling around in my head. And then a few years ago, there was, I did a contest like on Facebook or whatever. And it was something like, um, if you could, if you could, um, if the compulsions could, you know, if you could recommend the compulsions to cover one song any song by any band, who would it be? And people just had all kinds of ideas. And, um, and this one kid wrote, you know, uh, put down Dustin Bones. And that reminded me of my idea of how to cover it. And so I was like, okay, so that's that those two things was the inspiration be behind covering it. Nice. Somebody saying, somebody saying you should do it. And then me having independently thought, Oh, you could maybe do it uh, you know, uh, you, uh, you've heard the album. Our version is much like creepier and weirder, and 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 kind of kind of spells out the lyrics in a different way. You know, I mean, the song the song is a creepy song. The subject matter is is very um, dark, um, and so uh, I did it. We did it in more of like a Tom Waits kind of, you know, almost Tom Waits meets Trent Reznor kind of a way. You know what I mean? So that was that. It's, I liked it. It's, it's just like, it's like obviously takes a classic song and gives it this, you know, this spin that you just wouldn't think about. That's what, you know, I'm jealous of musicians who can think of it. Like, what if I did it this way? I can never yeah. get out of, that's why I'm like, for me with remixes, once I get, I hear a song, it's like, it's hard for me to even think about it another way until someone shows it to me, you know, or plays it for me. Uh, who's who's on the album? Who plays on who plays on the song Dustin Bones to cover? And who's and is every, that everybody on the album? Uh, no, there's different. There's a slightly different lineups on each track. Um, That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, not on purpose. Um, uh, a lot, well, that a lot. happens. So you can just give us. You can just give us like you know who's who's other than I guess the obvious. Uh, well, uh, well, including the obvious. Who who's okay, featured well, on? Well, well, you two boys, Frank Ferrer and Bumblefoot are all. <laughs> right. 
Um, Earl Slick, who has played with David Bowie and John Lennon. Uh, wow. Three tracks. Um, another guitar player that I've known for a real long time, his name is Hugh Poole. He's a great old friend of mine. Um, he's in the New York Blues Hall of Fame, and he plays around New York a lot. He's on a few songs. Uh, on bass, just about every song is a guy named Alec Morton, who was uh, also uh, in Raging Slab back in the day. Um, uh, another drummer is Brian Delaney, who was in the New York Dolls when they got back together again. Um, and then um, there's another drummer named Ethan Eubanks, who's a local guy and a real, real great drummer and a real cool guy. He's actually the drummer on Dustin Bones. Um, on Dustin Bones, I think you asked this, is me, yeah. Bumblefoot, uh, Hugh Poole. The producer is, is, is this guy named Ken Rich, and he's a phenomenal bass player and multi-instrumentalist. And he's playing um, synth bass, actually. So I guess it's this way, not this way. Um, he's playing synth bass, and there's some synthesizer on there as well by a guy named Andrew Sherman. Uh, and there's a backup singer, actually. She's on three tracks, and she's um, at the end of Dustin Bones. She comes in, and she's phenomenal. She's the cherry on top of the cake of the album. Uh, her name is Nikki Richards, and her, her, her Wikipedia page is just like a who's who of, 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 of some of the greatest uh, you know, artists that you could sing backup for. And I mean, what I mean by that is like Mariah Carey and Madonna and Whitney Houston and I think Al Green, uh, Lenny Kravitz, Mick Jagger, and I'm not remembering everybody, but it just goes on and on. It's like, it's pretty staggering. So she's on... Uh, she's on Dustin Bones also. She's also on All Over Dead Flowers. Um, so I kind of gave you, I think, and there's a few sax players here and there. There's a few piano players here and there. So, but that's the meat of the matter. Um, wow. I, just, I mean, that, that's, uh, this is, this seems like your Chinese democracy to keep, I guess, the theme going. Like it, there's, there's it's so many different, amazingly talented people that they yeah, call yeah. part of this I mean, project. I got done in five years though. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not quite. I know I don't want to, you know, I'll put it in that I category. Afraid, I was afraid that you know, I was afraid that something like that was going to happen. Like, what if I just never put it out? Um, yeah, you kind of, uh, you know, you want to get it out and move on to the next. You want to get it out there. You want people to hear it and uh, and play live and play some of the songs and and then you know, like I said, there's another album already in the works with. Can you hear that? I, that's fine. It usually goes off in my, uh, my apartment, so I'm glad it's someone else for a change because um, I live near a hospital. <laughs> um, there's another album in the works right after this one, and it's basically the same exact cast of characters that I just laid out. So it's, it's all the tracks that I didn't finish um, will be on this next album. So, uh, yeah, so I've been busy. I, I even mean, not even just the amount of uh, time you put into it, the, the Chinese, you know, loose comparison, but just the, the roster of all-star talent, you know, that's involved in, in, in creating this one goal of that. Yeah. And, I, and is that the, when you go to the, uh, your website, thecompulsionsnyc.com, is that going to be the, uh, the cover of the album? Yeah, that's the cover. Because <laughs> it's also very GNR inspired, much like my icon of my logo. I mean, there's something right. about a cool looking skull, I guess. Yeah. But well, it's, it's funny it, that cover, you can read a lot into that cover. And yeah, so there's a, there's as a, a rose. I mean, <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's a, there's a, um, there's, there's, there's a, there's a reference to that out. I mean, there's a reference to, um, to GNR and we cover GNR 
there's a dead rose in the guy's mouth and in the skull's mouth, and we do dead flowers. Mm-hmm. And then the typography is very much out of the motorhead, you know, that's that's yeah. the motorhead typography. And we we do mention motorhead in one of the songs. Oh, okay. Um, so, and, I, and to be real honest, man, none of that was on purpose. I kind of feel like <laughs> later on, I was like, whoa, um, there's three, uh, there's three ways to um, connect the album to the songs. Uh, there's three ways to connect the album cover to the songs on the album, which I thought was accidentally, um, you know, very cool. I, I think it's, it's cool. It, it, it's, again, it's, I had this conversation with someone in, uh, earlier, I guess, about radio and why, why same songs are played a lot. It's, it's something about being familiar. familiar with, with, you know, with, that's why they play a lot of uh, on cable, the same TV shows and remakes. It's something like that's familiar and, and you know that it's accepted and welcome. And I don't know. I, I, as soon as I clicked on the, uh, the website, before I listened to the music, I'm like, I like this. I, 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 there's something familiar about this. Well, that's the, I mean, the, you know, I just explained this to somebody, um, you know, I, I, I'm just an independent artist. I don't have a record label. I don't have management. I don't have a PR firm. So I got to get your attention. Um, however, I, I however mm-hmm. I can. And, um, and, uh, and, and once I get that attention, I got to live up to your expectations. So the album covers have always been, you know, a real good um, bar to live up to. Uh, and so, uh, and this one is no exception. Um, a friend of mine, oh, you know what it was? No, it was when, it's when I told this one friend of mine that we were covering Dust and Bones, all he said was, yeah, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's kind, of, kind of the same thing with the, um, with the album cover. It's like, if, you just, if you're going to put it out there, then you better like stand and deliver because then you're going to have to face people out on the street. You know what I mean? Sure. And, and GNR fans are brutal. Honestly, oh. I'm... Every day, and I'll say it to my listeners now, I'm like amazed that I feel, I'm like accepted into this very critical and very smart fan base that just, yeah. you, you, they criticize the band. So it's not even just like other, you know, podcasts or whatever. It's, you know, it, it's, as long as the passion comes through, I think that's the most important thing in, in yours does completely. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Um, and then, you know, like I said, you want to live up to expectations and you want to exceed expectations um, would be even better. So hopefully that's what happens. I hope so. I think it will. Um, are you Obviously, you can't tour in support of this. Uh, do you plan on, I mean, hopefully, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but do you plan no, no, on doing no, things no. maybe on the internet, like anything, you know, live yeah, streaming? Right, right now, there's a thing we have. We have an opportunity, and I, you know, I hate talking about you know what might happen, but I since know. Passed, um, uh, there's a guy, there's a promoter who has this real interesting idea for a socially distanced tour or concert series. Um, it's not the drive-in thing. Uh, it's, 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 it's. He's got this, this other spin on it that I'm not going to give away because it's his idea, and I also don't know. If, it's actually going to come to fruition or if we're actually really going to be involved. But I have talked very recently to Bumble and Brian Delaney and Alec Morton. And I said to them, you know, here's the situation. Here's what it could be. Um, you know, would you be interested in doing this? And everybody said yes. So wow. I don't know, man. Um, it, it's a crazy idea. It looks good on paper. Um, it, it, you know, my, my, thing was like if the guys want to do it then i'll i'll do it and so they all said yes i was a little bit surprised um but very happy and uh so yeah so 
you know, that's the that's the million dollar question is like what's up with the touring world and what's up with the concert world i don't know man um i don't know that's a good question i am gonna play on um september 18th i'm doing a show at there's a um there's a bar that's since since the pandemic this bar has become kind of a music hot spot it's called marshall stack huh. and it's on the lower east side uh and again, and um, and they're having um, every once in a while they're having people play there, and the way it works is you play in the window, and people sit outside, um, uh, out on the sidewalk. Uh, they have tables set up um, on the street, and it's kind of fenced off or whatever, um, barricaded off. And uh, and I'm gonna do that on September 18th, and I'll have a special guest or two with me, and. Um, and I'll be doing some songs off this album, and I'll be doing um, I'll be doing uh, other compulsion songs, and um, so yeah. So the, the, I, I think the I think uh, it would be good if like more people do you know more venues do what like Marshall Stack is doing, which I think it would be cool if like bands played out on the street or in the or inside the restaurant or inside the bar in the window. Uh, while people either passed by or you know drank or ate or whatever it was that mm. could be cool you know if it was that, safe yeah no that could be there's a lot of ideas going around yeah, and but, none of them should be the smash mouth way so but i think there'll be some some smart <laughs> ideas going around yeah the crazy thing though is like i don't know if you saw the news but like you're not allowed to advertise the shows you're not allowed to promote the shows you're not allowed to ch charge uh, there's no tickets for the shows it's, that's right yeah it's can't draw a crowd yeah, that's the tricky thing. It's like, you know, you can't advertise, you can't promote, you, 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 you know, obviously, I guess they want you to draw a crowd, but not that big a crowd. So it's a very, it's a very weird um, thing, but hopefully um, we'll be past this stage in human civilization um, soon enough. I, I know. Uh, <laughs> when we're, when we're back to civilization, uh, what place are you looking forward to uh, playing most? Like what's your favorite place to you know, to perform I mean, in the city. Square Garden would be good. <laughs> sure. It's not called Giant, I always say Giant Stadium. It's not Giant Stadium anymore, is it? Well, it's uh, the Meadowlands. It's at 18 names instead. Yeah, man, Wembley. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I'm, my goal was always to make this be a big band and play. I'm not, I mean, I'm not joking when I say that. Um, I, I always wanted to play, uh, you know, stadiums and uh, arenas. Well, um, well, for sure. But I mean, like, what's the... <laughs> that's, I mean, yes, that's, well, I guess I shouldn't even say that. Apparently that wasn't for Izzy Stradlin. He didn't really want all of that. Okay. Uh, uh, so allegedly. So, but what was the best of your, like, that you've played so far? Like, what's your favorite place to, the hot spot to play in? Uh, I mean, I guess the, the go to for a local band in New York, you know, the, the, is the Mercury Lounge is a, is a, is a cool place and it's got some cachet and touring bands come through and play there. So the Mercury Lounge is, um, is always fun. You know? Right on, yeah. right on, yeah, very cool. Well, I hope to see you at the Mercury Lounge, all at Madison Square Garden, all the above. Soon enough, uh, yeah. And and you you heard the offer earlier. If you pre-order Ferocious, you get a really awesome cover of uh, of Dust and Bones and, and Dead Flowers. Just go to thecompulsionsnyc.com. I mean, do we miss any? Oh, you know what? I want. I, I'm just curious, just for my own New Yorkness. Where are you? I'm obviously. By your accent, our accent, you were born here. Where, where uh, were you born? Are we, 
London, England. No, um, <laughs> I was you tricked me for a second. I was like, "What?" I, I, I'm I'm from um, I'm from uh, Staten Island, of all places. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. You said Staten yeah. Island. I okay. um, <laughs> That's right. Uh, Only time I go to Staten Island is to drive through it, which you never yeah. want to do. Yeah. Um, Where are every, you now? I'm in the East Village. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I lived in Staten Island until I was about ten. And then we moved up to um, Rockland County. I mean, you probably heard of that. Sure. And, yeah. Uh, and then right after, right after high school, I moved into the city and I started going to art school and I've been here ever since. So uh, that's my, uh, that's where I get this, um, this lovely speaking voice. <laughs> no, I, I, I love it, man. You know, I love what you're all this about. The, I really... By the way, this is the cleaned up version. This is me. This is me <laughs> trying to talk talk nice <laughs> now i know i gotta do the same thing so i don't sound like tony dan's uh yeah, or yeah, exactly you know, or yeah. fran drescher's nephew mr sheffield i feel like i'd sound like her half the time anyway uh but i digress I, again rob this was really cool thank you for for reaching out um i i do have other listeners you know it's it's not always uh people can reach out at the afd show at gmail.com so it's not something I promote a lot. So when I guess when people find me on there, especially wanting to be on the show, it just means a lot. It's 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 really cool. So, you know, thank you for coming on. I'm excited for you. You know, I'm I'm excited to see what's the what's the come. I know you you've you've been on a long road thus far, yeah, but well, uh, you got keep a great at it. Yeah, you got a great thing going, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So that concludes episode 214 of Appetite for Distortion. Again, thanks for for hanging out on this uh, podcast night train. However you listen, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, uh, Apple Podcasts, where on like you know, Podbean, wherever you listen, let me know. Tell me how you listen. Tell me where you listen. I want to give you know those platforms shout outs. And I like knowing. I like knowing are you listening to a podcast. If you're going on a road trip, if you're going away, you know, are you enjoying it? And, uh, and also, we can be found on alternativenation.net, q1043.com. And as far as upcoming guests, I can tell you at least this, Joe List, comedian Joe List. Uh, you may have seen him on Comedy Central. Uh, he's going to be on soon. And uh, maybe you're, you might be a little bit more excited for this because Joe is really funny. Uh, his, his new comedy special, I Hate Myself. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, man, that was my mantra until uh, maybe after a decade of therapy, not hating myself. But you know what? Let's save that conversation for Joe. Uh, but Doug Goldstein, he's going to come back on, and we're going to dissect Live Era. I'm not sure when we're, we're, uh, we're going to do that yet, but he, uh, he texted me, done. And when Doug Goldstein says done, it's done. So that's going to happen. And that's, uh, that's exciting. I love that because you could talk to Doug about anything. You know, and next thing you know, two hours goes by. You got to kind of hone in. So we're going to focus on live hour in the future. Uh, meanwhile, if you have a guest suggestion, if you want to partake in the episode with either questions, uh, if you want to co-host, anything you want to get involved in with the podcast, um, email me just like Rob at the AFD show at gmail.com or as I mentioned before, social media, best way to keep in contact in between the episode so that does it when will you see the next podcast well in the words of axel rose concerning chinese democracy you'll see it i don't know if as soon as the word
have security, I'm going home. 